I've got some issues with the presentation that I'm delivering in schools. It's a safeguarding issue that I'm not sure how to navigate, so maybe you can help me with this. Okay, so we've got a couple of issues with this presentation that I'm delivering in schools at the moment. It's a safeguarding issue that I'm not too sure how to go about. It's all about if somebody under the age of 18 at one of these schools comes to me and discloses a, an abusive situation that they're currently in right now. Now, I know I have a duty of care. I have a mandatory reporting obligation, and that would be to go and speak to one of their teachers about it. Now, this is all good, and of course I understand why this um, mandatory reporting law is there. Um, so it's to stop any children disclosing to adults and nothing being done with that information. Because the primary thing that we want to do is get that child out of that situation straight away. Right? That's all we want. So I completely understand why the rules are there. But there is just a bit of conflict in my mind. Because what about all the children that now will not come to us with their abusive situation that they're currently in because they know we're going to go off to the authorities about it immediately. So that 13-year-old girl who's in a situation in her own home with maybe a family member, let's just take that. She's like, I ain't telling no adult about what's going on. Because I'm going to have police knocking at my door. Or I'm going to have the teachers pulling me into the office. I just, I'm not, I don't want to go through that. I don't want it to be reported. I just want to tell someone about it first. And report it when I'm ready to report it. Now it all becomes a bit tricky because that child's in the abusive situation right now. So we're like, no, we want to. We want to get you out of that straight away. But it's not that simple, right? It's not that simple. And the reason why I say it's not that simple is because I didn't speak out about the sexual abuse that I went through when I was eight years old until I was 27 years old. And an interesting point about that is I didn't report the abuse to the police until I was 32 years old. Now, if you'd asked me at 27 when I first started speaking about all of this, are you going to report it? I'd be like, that isn't even a consideration in my head. Now, of course, this situation that I've just explained there is different because um, I'm not currently in an abusive situation and I'm 27 years old, considered an adult. Of course, the situation with children is different. But the question is still there. How many children is the mandatory reporting law keeping silent? Right. That's just the question, right? put out a post about it on my social media. Let's just check out what I wrote. One second. Okay, so I wrote, I need your help with something, please. I've got a situation I'm not sure how to address. When I go and speak in schools, if someone under the age of 18 tells me of an abusive situation that they're currently in, that they want to talk to a teacher about, but not yet, then do I, under mandatory reporting law, have to go and tell a teacher about it regardless? 
If the answer is yes, then do I need to start saying to all the students at the start of my presentation that if they come to me with an abusive situation that they're currently in, whether they want me to or not, I have to tell a teacher about it. And if the answer to that is yes, then are we worried about the child that will now not approach me because of this? Now, I put that out on all my social media platforms. It got a flurry of comments. Everybody saying, you must report, you must report. But also... A lot of people said that in the UK, we don't actually have a mandatory reporting law. It's just a duty of care. But of course, I'm always going to tell a teacher if a child comes to me and discloses abuse because I don't want to go home that evening knowing that that child is also going home that evening and is going to be in that abusive situation. I don't want that on my conscience and I should act, right? We know all about that. So do I tell the youngsters before I even start my presentation that if you come to me about an abusive situation that you're in, I'm going to have to tell a teacher about it, whether you want me to or not. But the problem with telling that at the very start of the presentation is they're like, oh, this has got a bit of a like police feel to it. How am I going to, how am I going to invite them into my presentation when I've just slammed that on their desk, Right? So do I do it at the end? So do I do my presentation and at the end, I then let them know, look, um, you know, we have a duty of care. We want to get you out of your dangerous situation. So if you come to me, I'm going to um, have to go and report it to one of your teachers. A few people did comment, which I found very useful, saying that this is all about wording, right? This is all about wording. Because what you need to do is you need to let the child know that yes, we have this obligation, but it's for your care, right? Your care is in our interest. Another interesting comment that somebody left is, most probably if they come to you about it, um, then you it's because they want help, right? They're ready for help. Even if they just want to tell you and then they just want to like see what help is available. And that makes me think, well, maybe I need to actually find out um, like what would happen, you know, to let them know, look, if you do come to me, X, Y, Z is going to happen. So it is complicated and I know I need to learn a lot more um, about it. I don't appreciate the couple of comments that I got of, I'm surprised you don't know about more about this. You've been doing this for ages. This is not the only thing that I'm running right? Presenting in schools is not the only element of this project that I run, right? Bear with me. I am learning as I go. A few people said that I should have safeguarding policies, written safeguarding policies. Come on. (laughs) The team is not big enough for anybody to put time into that just yet. Another person said you should be going on safeguarding courses. And I'm like, come on, can I not just be why can't I just be someone who's got a real life story and I want to go and tell it to people? Is there too much red tape around this? You know, me having to write safeguarding policies. Somebody even said um, you should research uh, the school's safeguarding policy before you go there. I'm like, well, then if I had to do all of these things, I'm going to be like, have enough time to go and see like one school a month you know it's like come on let me just get my story out there it's just a story you know they're ready for it why have we got to complicate like us adults just complicating it so much 
but maybe it needs to be complicated because all the safeguarding professionals that are watching this are going to say, rightly so, it needs to be taken with care. This subject needs to be handled with care because you are essentially going to be invoking memories or current situations in the children that you're talking to. So I am frustrated by the complication of it all I know I need to learn more but just to take it one step further this whole disclosure thing is not the only time I've come across this complication I was first introduced to it three months ago when somebody asked me what happens if somebody under the age of 18 submits their story to your something to say page Now, if you don't know about my Something to Say page, I run a small movement on all social media platforms. Type in Something to Say official and you're going to see it there. We share other people's stories of child abuse on that platform. It's a platform of strength and courage. You you submit your story through the website. And when somebody asks me, well, what about the under 18s? I'm like, so? Why can't somebody under the age of 18 submit their story? And I said, because they're not an adult. They'll need, a, they'll need their guardian or parents' consent. And if they tell you about a situation that they're currently in, you have this safeguarding issue again. Now, we are a small team, mostly volunteers running that platform. We don't have the structure for safeguarding policies. We don't have the, the, the structure for having a process or procedure of what we're going to do if somebody under the age of 18 submits their story. So what did we do? We put a disclosure box at the end of when you submit and we said, we do not accept stories from under 18s. You can only submit if you're an adult. So the Something to Say page, which I created, I founded so that we can express ourselves and talk about what we want to say. If you've got something to say, come to the page, unless you're under 18. And that is a frustrating thing to me. I also know that there's probably no way around that until I've built that platform big enough and we have enough revenue and income coming in that I can start paying a specialist to come onto the team and handle uh, the legality of possibly opening the platform to people who are under 18. I don't want it to be this complicated. Is any other subject area this complicated? Is suicide this complicated? Is depression this complicated? If I had a suicide about, if I had a suicide about, if I had a presentation, sorry, let me get my words right. If I had a presentation about suicidal thoughts, would I have to go through all of this as well? If I had a presentation about mental health and depressive thoughts, would I have to go through all of this as well? Something that lots of people have mentioned that I should do is signpost the young kids to where they can go. There's a problem that I sense with that. If I'm going to put a slide up, which I don't use slides by the way, um, let me quickly explain very briefly what my school presentation is. I get approximately 45 minutes with each year group. We usually do it in their lesson timetable. I spend 30 to 35 minutes storytelling I just tell my story in the most gripping way that I possibly can I detail obviously 
the sexual abuse history. But what I've done is I've weaved my career chasing Formula One and me talking about it for the first time to a close friend when I was 27 into the story. So the story actually has a sense of adventure and inspiration to it as well. I finished that story within about half an hour and I have every child in there glued to what I'm saying. Then I get a final 10 minutes. I'm actually brainstorming some better ways to use that final 10 minutes. But at the end of this presentation, what I could do is say, if you've been affected by anything that I've said, here are some good organizations. But does that mean I need to then go and proofread all of those organizations because I'm supporting them in some way? What I want to say and what I currently say to the young people is I give them things that help me, a variety of things, journaling, speaking to friends, etc, etc. But I also say if you want to speak to somebody independent, maybe even anonymous, Google your local charity, find the website or the Instagram page that you relate to and contact them. Like, Do I need to list everything and go through every organization and make sure I'm happy with them before I signpost somebody to something like or do I just give the the independence to the young person because they know how to use the internet better than us I don't want to I don't want to make this a situation where it's like like we're spoon not not that we're spoon feeding the kids like give them some ownership you know I know I won't do this, but it's kind of like, you want to come and tell me about something? Come tell me. It's all good. Get it off your chest. Maybe that's your first step on your journey. We all know that the journey is not speaking about it for the first time and then reporting it to the police. Like, like, can we not just give some... Of course we can't because they're under 18. So the post that I put out on social media got a lot of interaction. Lots of people were interested. Thank you to everybody that commented, right? Thank you to everybody that gave their opinion on this. It's helpful because I'm trying to build this layer upon layer. So thank you to the community out there that are following this work. We are making advances step by step. Now, very coincidentally, the other day I came across an article about, from the BBC here in England, about changes that are happening to mandatory reporting laws. Now, let me pull that up one second. Okay, you see here, the title of the report for anybody that's listening to this on audio, because now it's available on audio. All I'm doing is extracting the audio from these videos that I'm posting on YouTube and posting them on uh, audio platforms like Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, so people can listen to these um, to these these bits of content while they're doing their chores or driving to work or commuting or w- whenever they listen to their usual podcasts. Just make it more accessible. So if you're listening on audio, hello. And I'm pleased to have that aspect of the project now up and running. So this BBC article that we're looking at, the title of the report is Child Sex Abuse, Failure to Report Crimes to be Made Illegal. So this is now really laying down the law and saying if you hear of something you are going to be prosecuted if you don't tell someone else. That's fine, but are we going to have a halfway house here somewhere? And I suppose that halfway house is 
the child lines and the anonymous phone lines that you can call that these charities run. By the way, I wonder what the charities do. Like, what are charities doing with these anonymous phone lines that you can call and say, my older cousin is abusing me and I want to talk to someone about it. Like, do they not have a duty of care then to um, trace that phone call and sort it out? Like, I wonder, like, I really do wonder how they handle this because they're anonymous phone lines, right? I think Childline is an anonymous phone line. Let's go through this article a little bit more. So it says... People who work with children in England will be legally required to report child sex, ab- sex abuse or face prosecution under government plans. This article was um, submitted one day before I recorded this, which I'm recording this on the 4th of April, so it's the 3rd of April. The move, which is subject to a consultation, was re- recommended last year by the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. So this massive inquiry that happened, I'd only just started work, doing this work when that inquiry had started. And um, it kind of surprises me, like... There is, this is a double-edged sword, right? You can put these laws down, but you are going to silence a number of children through these laws because they are not coming to us if it means we are going to tell their parents, tell social services, or tell the police the next day, right? So this is where this half, this this house halfway could be useful for these young people. The Home Secretary told BBC she wanted to correct one of the biggest national scandals. Suella Braverman is expected to set out more details in the coming day. Okay, so as I read this article a bit more, we can see that this mandatory reporting law that they're going to implement is largely a reaction from institutions not reporting child sexual abuse when they heard about it, which meant thousands of children um, were turn up... Thousands of adults or or lots of institutions turned a blind eye to what was going on. So this law will will stop that. But what about the general sexual abuse that is happening lots in just family homes? Maybe it's a father. Maybe it's an uncle. Maybe it's an older cousin. What about that situation? Because I don't think that law is 100% going to help those situations what 11 year old wants to tell on their uncle because that's their mum's brother and that's going to break up the family what 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 about that where are they going to go if they don't want it reported and there's another thing that I wanted to show and that was a video from Rishi Sunak the Prime Minister of United Kingdom and he has posted on his Instagram a reel about sexual abuse prevention I've only watched the very start of it, so we'll watch it together for the first time here, and then we can just say a few words about it before we wrap this video up. What happened to vulnerable children in Rochdale, Telford, Rotherham and other places is simply appalling. Last year I said that if I became Prime Minister I wanted to take decisive action to help stamp out this evil. Today we're announcing a set of new measures to achieve that. A specialist task force has been set up by the police, tougher sentencing, a new national hotline and data analytics to make sure that we can identify and catch 
perpetrators. All these measures will make sure that we can clamp down on the horrific abuse of children that we've seen. We must ensure that we have a country and a society where children can grow up safe and we won't rest until we achieve that. Okay, fantastic. That's the Prime Minister talking about that. It's funny, isn't it, though, when you just have a quick think about the wording that's used. This evil, uh, predators, catch them. And it's like, well... (laughs) If you catch them, the crime's been committed already, but one step at a time, right? Uh, and and um, they're in reference, he's referencing the scandals at Rotherham and Telford, etc. But still, there's no conversation about, just like, as I mentioned, the general sexual abuse in the family home um, with the family that, you know, from the outside is, is all good, but that young child has been groomed and uh, it's not a scandal, it's just, it's just a home, right? It's just a home. But maybe that's getting a few steps ahead of us. We can't face that bit yet. So I'm pleased that these conversations are being hap- are happening. I have so much to learn as I continue presenting in schools to these young people. I know there are going to be lots of rules that I'm going to come across. I know there's going to be a lot of paperwork I'm going to have to start getting involved in. But right now, I'm just keeping it simple. I'm getting into those schools and I am engaging rooms full of teenagers into a story that they've probably never heard about in the way that I'm telling it. I've structured the story the best I can. I work hard at it. I'm constantly tweaking it. Every time I present, I see what's working. I see what's feeling weak. I see what didn't go so well. And I'm trying to structure it and structure it and hopefully continue fine-tuning it. I feel like the more schools I can get in, the better. Because not only am I speaking to the students... I'm also speaking to the teachers that are supervising them and watching me. And lots of them come up after me after me, and say that that was a very, very well-told story and left a lasting impact. So we're learning as we go, one step at a time. As I always say, stick with me on this. This is a journey. This is an adventure that we are building step by step. And I believe that we're really going to do incredible things with this. Thank you. 